Welcome to Real Talk, Secrets to Success, a place where we get real advice from industry insiders on how to make it in the movie business. Today, I'm chatting with K.L. Jones, founder of Elevate Now Creative Media and KEJ Network. Elle's work is focused on amplifying, producing, and distributing diverse stories for women of color, Gen Xers, women-led brands, and companies. She also created and produced Beauty Behind the Brand Live, an innovative, original, remotely produced live television docuseries, which is globally distributed on her own streaming TV network. Welcome on to the show. Thank you so much, Savvy. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So my name is K.L. Jones, but I absolutely love it if you just call me L. And I am a brand and media consultant, director, producer, and filmmaker. I'm also the CEO and founder of Elevate Now Creative Media, which is a branding and media consulting agency that specializes in remote production and branding for our clients. And I'm also the founder of my own independent TV network, KEJN, which is the K.L. Jones Network Distributed Global on KP Media TV, across Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Android TV, and Chromecast. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about remote producing because that, that is such a pertinent topic right now with everything that has been going on with the world. So did you guys start out with that? Was that a transition given the circumstances? Yeah, so we definitely did not start out that way. <laughs> um, and while I've been producing for well over 15, 20 years at this point, remote production was actually something that was really new to me. I've done live television production as well as production on film and television sets. And so I'm not new to that aspect of producing, but the remote production piece definitely was birthed as a result of a pivot in the pandemic, much like many of us in this industry have found ourselves having to pivot in one way or another. And so prior to the pandemic, our production was all in person, much like anyone else. And we didn't just produce films or short form content. We worked with entrepreneurs, experts, thought leaders to help them really establish their brand authority in their industry. And I did that by leveraging both my corporate experience as a branding, marketing, and advertising executive, coupled with my entertainment experience as an actor, stage theater performer, writer, producer, and director. And we brought both of those worlds together to create this really unique space for our clients, who most of which were, you know, in the business and, you know, industry and not necessarily in entertainment, although there were some crosses from time to time with our clients. And so when the pandemic hit, we actually had to cancel a lot of our client projects because they were all in person. That included brand photography, brand video production, you know, brand films to help tell their story. And we were also in production on my documentary film called Beauty Behind the Brand, which we started back in 2018. And we, you know, there were periods where we had to put that project on hold because we were completely bootstrapping that film. And so then enter the pandemic. And I can't believe we're almost coming up on a year of that, right? 
And I don't see myself differently than anyone else, you know, who has gone through this, who is a creative or, you know, whether you're a creative or not running and operating a business of any kind, we all found ourselves pretty much in the same place where we needed to not just pivot, but really figure out what our next steps were going to be, how we were going to keep our businesses and our brands afloat and continue telling the stories that we're super passionate about. And so I was presented with an opportunity for a media distribution deal. And then I accepted without even really giving it a whole lot of thought of what this was going to entail. And one of the pivots that I made was taking my documentary film, Beauty Behind the Brand, and turning it into a live television docu-series. And as soon as I said yes, I had the thought like, what the heck am I doing? It's like, what, how are we going to do this? And so I fell into remote production by starting on my own production. And that was the beauty behind the brand live television docuseries. That is an amazing progression. And I myself was part of a small remote production. It was just a short film, but it's a very interesting way of putting things together. So what would you say were some of the biggest challenges you came upon um, trying to create this content remotely? Oh, wow. I don't choose to look at things as a challenge, honestly, Savvy. I just looked at the opportunity. Like, what do we have available now? So the biggest thing for me, obviously, was assembling a team of producers who, albeit are really established and have experience of under their belt producing, most of them did. None of them knew anything about remote production. So if there were a challenge, I would say that would have been the thing. It was just like not, you know, find being able to find people who were talented and had production experience under their belt, that was the easy part. The challenge would have been, I would say, just learning. We're all leaning in and learning alongside each other on what remote production actually looks like. And so I think the beautiful thing was in that period is we had other things to look to. Like the playing field had been leveled. It didn't matter where you were in your career in Hollywood, if you were a content creator, an influencer on Instagram or TikToker, you know, creating TikToks and everyone, or or if you were the most established A-list celebrity, the local news station, CNN, it didn't matter. Every single person really was challenged with how do we move forward? And so there was a sense of comfort for myself and my team And that while we were figuring it out, we recognized like there was no standard. Now, because there was no standard at that time, it didn't mean that you could just show up and produce crappy content, right? Like you couldn't do that. So we were really intentional about just playing around with the tools that we had. And we were able to very quickly, our team and our production was one of the first that I would say is non-Hollywood in a sense, and meaning like we didn't have a big production studio or anything like that, that we were able to create professional quality content that rivaled what you see on the major networks. And that was one of the things that helped us to stand out. And so when you think about challenges, it's, yeah, you recognize what, what's there, what you have, but I chose to focus on what we did have available. And when you're in a situation like this, you can't try to do anything on your own. It's really important to have community and, you know, dig into that community. And, and I feel like I would hope, you know, and like to think that I created 
an ecosystem where my producers who are also really good friends of mine were able to thrive and add to their own portfolio. And so we got to co-create alongside each other and create a new standard of what remote production looks like for folks like us. That is so beautiful. And it definitely is all about community, this industry in particular, it's all about the connections you have. So that is very important. I wanna take it back for a moment. And if you could share with us what your first experience was, like what you consider to be your breakout opportunity in the industry. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> that would make me think because I'll, I'll be 50 this year. And so I've been doing this a really long time and I can identify moments or experiences where I thought it was my breakout, but then, you know, as you grow and go, I would have to say, despite everything that I have been able to accomplish in this industry and in my career, my breakout was during the pandemic. I know that probably sounds crazy. You know, when you talk, when you look at the big scope of things and it's like, wait, she's been doing this for over 30 years. But for me, I've had really amazing moments and have achieved new heights in my career throughout. But for me, I feel like the pandemic was what positioned me for my breakout moment in this industry. And here's why. I have, like I said early on in the introduction, I've been an actress. I've been a stage theater performer. I've been in off-Broadway gospel musicals. I've been in Broadway the, uh, productions. I have been a singer. I've been a dancer. I've been an on-air talent. I, you know, have my own show. I've been behind the camera producing, filming. So I, my experience in the industry has run the gamut. I've worked with one of the top acting coaches in the industry. I've had incredible mentors. I re-emerged in Hollywood uh, in my 40s, and most people didn't know that I was in my 40s. And so thankfully, you know, I look younger than I am. And so that played well for me. And I've had, you know, a, a health challenge that kind of set me back and I had to step away from my career as an actor. So that was a pivot for me. And then coming out of that, maybe two years later, I had run into a filmmaker who had given me one of my first jobs when I moved back to California to pursue my acting career full time. And he says, where have you been? Like, you just fell off the face of the earth. And I shared with him, you know, what I had been going through from a health perspective. And he says, well, I have this really amazing idea for a new series. And I've been looking for you because you're you're a great actor, but you have so much depth to you. And I really would you know, want to bring you on as an executive producer on this project. And so we talked about it and we ended up going on to create two seasons of a web series called Soul Inspired, which at the time was really innovative because not many people were looking to produce web series on YouTube at that time. And so that was, a, I would say, a breakout moment for me, for sure. And that really got me back into sinking my teeth into, uh, you know, the production seat of things. And, and I really, really loved it. And it was, you know, different instances that happened after that where I found myself behind the camera that I came to this realization. It's like, you know what? I really, I love being in front of the camera, but I, I absolutely love being behind the camera and being able to tell stories, other people's stories. And so that was a big aha moment for me. I know we're talking about a breakout moment, but it's that aha moment that led me to 
this breakout moment years later. And so then fast forward, here we are in 2020 and we're at the height of the pandemic. And I am not um, solely in the entertainment industry. Like I said, I'm a consultant. So I also work with businesses, B2B businesses, B2C you know, uh, clients. And so I'm in very much in both worlds, both in business and entertainment and even in the tech space. And, and so I had a really unique opportunity to create something different. And before the pandemic, while I was really great at what I did, there were tons of people who were teaching their clients in my industry how to grow their brand, leveraging video marketing and storytelling. But very few had the skill set and the experience that I do to be able to bring it into entertainment. And that's what the pandemic provided for me. And so that not only was a major pivot and shift, but a huge breakout moment for me. And now I am one of those go-to brand and media consultants that has the best of both worlds. And then the fact that I have my own independent TV network adds to that value. So that definitely really solidifies and brings together that whole breakout experience for me and why I feel like last year was really my big, big breakout moment. I love how you mentioned that you had like a lot of moments that you thought would be, and I feel like that happens a lot, that a lot of people are, get like an opportunity and they're like, okay, now I've made it. And then it doesn't turn out the way they thought Yeah, it's it like, was. this is it, this is it. And then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's a very common experience. But I want to chat about your network for a moment. How did that come to be? What was the process that of putting that together and, you know, launching that? Yeah. So initially, as I mentioned before, when the pandemic started, I, I literally went from idea to launch in six days with this live TV docuseries. So um, I was introduced to uh, a CEO of a media distribution company. And he's like, we'd love to have you on our network. We know, you know, what your experience is and, you know, we love your personality and we just think you would be a great addition to our community and we have the tools and technology to support you. And obviously it was very enticing to me because it was something different and we weren't seeing anyone in my space that really had that that leverage. And so it was a no brainer for me. And so I started with a media distribution company and uh, the setup was supposed to be that ultimately I would have my own network or my own channel where I could produce multiple different types of content. And unfortunately that didn't happen in the way that we had initially envisioned it. And I have a colleague who's you know, a master in digital marketing and branding and she too was in that space and she decided we had several conversations and uh, there was an opportunity to invest in the technology and work with the developers who develop Hulu and HBO. And so she took the leap and she launched her own media distribution company, which is now known today as KP Media TV. And through my partnership with KP Media TV, um, I was one of the very first to come on to the platform and be able to launch my own independent television network that allows me to not only tell the stories that I'm really passionate about, but I retain full ownership of my IP, my creativity, and I'm able to fully monetize my network 
and the content that I distribute in the way that I see fit and works for me. But it's not just about me. It also positions me to be able to create the same opportunity for other people who come onto my network. And so much like I don't know what your like local cable service is there, but here I'm in Southern California and we have Spectrum. That's one of the largest companies. And so KP Media TV, it serves as Spectrum, right? And then I, K-E-J-N, my TV network would be like an AV, ABC or Bravo or CBS. And then I'm able to distribute different types of content. And then I have content creators who come on who are producers. And so if you think about own the Oprah Winfrey network and she has different shows, whether it's Queen Sugar or, you know, Fix My Life. Those are all different producers who come to the network with their own content. And so the structure for your listeners who are thinking about like how this visually looks, that would be the setup and how it is. But the difference is, is that each content creator who comes to the network they're able to maintain 100% ownership of their IP. And so we serve really as this distribution hub. There's no licensing involved. The only difference would be if a content creator comes and say six months down the line, they've decided to take a different route or want to launch their own on another platform, they have the freedom to do so. The only clauses or aspect is that we would like for whatever content they've already distributed on the network, to remain on the network. The other unique thing about this is that it is a model, right? And so it is a subscription model. When content creators come to have their, whatever it is, whether it's a short film, a docu-series, whatever format their content is in, they're actually paying a distribution cost every month, right? It's, it, it's a subscription that goes towards their distribution. And here's what I want to challenge people to think, because it's not a what we typically would consider the norm in Hollywood. So the distribution model looks like this. You pay a subscription amount each month and it's different in that, yeah, if you're a producer, like most content creators are never gonna get the opportunity to get picked up by a studio or network like Netflix Studios or Amazon Studios. And we saw what I call like this blue ocean opportunity. You wanna create opportunities for everyone to have a voice. You're a creative, you're really great at what you do. And throughout my career, I've seen so many talented people be overlooked for a variety of reasons, whether it was because of their sex, race, their ethnicity, their age, right? And so I wanted to leverage what I have available and what I know to be able to create opportunities for those folks who'll never get seen by a Netflix or Amazon Studios, or maybe they will, but then they're in a better position to negotiate a, a great deal that feels good for them. And so they don't feel like they're walking away. And I like to tell people this because most people think, why would I pay? I don't have to pay to have my stuff on YouTube. You're right. Not actually, like you're not physically paying YouTube any money but you are paying. One way or another, you're gonna pay. If you're a content creator who's really serious about growing your brand and getting your content seen, if you are solely depending on YouTube to make that happen, you are paying for it. You might not be paying out of pocket where you're paying YouTube a subscription amount every month, but here's how you're paying. It's a pay to play system, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, whatever platform you're thinking about distributing content on. YouTube determines 
when you become what we call monetizable, when your channel becomes monetizable, there are certain thresholds that you have to meet. I've been on YouTube for years and I have one video that has roughly 50,000 views on it. I don't make a dime from that video, despite the fact that I have a significant amount of views on it. People comment on it even now, years later, they still comment because of the content. The content was great. It was professionally produced. People love it, right? But I'm not able to make any money off of that because YouTube decided that they were going to change how content creators on their platform were paid. And so then they increased the number of subscribers that a content creator or a channel needs to have in order to monetize. And then when we look at the monetization structure, it's really pennies on the dollar. It's not a lot. Like the people who are making it big and, and really making great money off of YouTube have been there for quite a while. They've been really consistent with their content. So they're creating educational videos, you know, edutainment videos. They're creating demos. Like they're consistently creating how-tos things that help people. Those are the ones who really win. But when we look at it from a content creator standpoint, unless you're an influencer or a blogger who started when this whole thing became a trend of visual blogging, those are not the people who are consistently making money. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people who've come in the last five or six years who have been able to penetrate the platform and make money because they have, but they're a very small percentage of folks, right? And so the other piece is also that you pretty much kind of give up your rights. Like YouTube can determine or any other platform, Facebook, Instagram, if there's something in your content that they feel is a copy issue, even if it's your original content or you've worked with, say you have music in your film or series that you've paid licensing for, well, they depend on their algorithms to go through and comb through all the billions of material that is on their platform. And sometimes you'll get caught up in that. And then you have, they'll flag your, you know, content, your video, they'll shut it down. People have had to fight. I've seen whole accounts be removed and shut down. And so it's really frustrating and it can be disheartening to the creator who may be operating on a limited budget as it is. You also are not just in the best position to be able to monetize your IP, your content, your hard work in the way that you should be able to on those platforms. And so I like to look at those social media platforms, including YouTube as a tool, right? Not an end all be all. So there's definitely a place and a strategy for effectively using those platforms, but no content creator should be putting all of their eggs in one basket on these platforms. You need to have something that you have ownership in. That makes a lot of sense. How does it work then when they put the content in your network? They pay for the subscription and then do they have some way of monetizing that back or how does it work? Yes. Yeah, so that's the other unique thing about what we've created in partnership with KP Media TV is that while from a cost and investment perspective, you're paying for distribution costs. That's it. The money doesn't come to me. I don't profit off of you anyway. I have other ways and means to monetize my own network and the content that I create. And so I love that because I'm not pigeonholed or pressed into this, oh my gosh, I have to get a, a certain number of people to come on to the network every month or every quarter in order to meet my income goals. In fact, my business model, my revenue model is not contingent upon 
whether someone comes on the network or not. And so I love that. But the other thing is when they step into our world, they're not just getting a distribution partner, but they're also getting the backing of a collective 60 plus years of experience with a branding and digital marketing agency and then a branding and media production agency. And so KP Media TV and I have married our skills together and our experience to provide this comprehensive ecosystem for each person that steps into this, this business model. And then to add to that, we have another expert who is a former model. Her children are actively working in Hollywood right now. She's been in Hollywood for decades and she's really great at structuring brand deals and partnerships. And so she's got her branding agency um, involved with what we're doing as well. And so we have this super comprehensive opportunity to provide digital marketing, branding, remote production, brand partnership structures. And so people that come into it, we had one host that recently started, we call them host or channel partner that recently started. And before she launched one show, she had already closed five brand deals. So a lot of times, and so what we do, our focus is to not just bring them into the world, but create this mastermind community, which we have, but it's a supportive community. And within that community, we provide training modules there. You know, we have a whole membership site. So they have access to this entire membership site a vault full of trainings. We have what we call VIP host connects the fourth Friday of every month or the third Friday of every month. So we come together and it's an opportunity for everybody within that media ecosystem to come in and voice their concerns or ask questions or, hey, I have an idea to do this, but I'm not really sure how to make this happen. Does anyone else have any suggestions? So it really becomes this really super supportive community um, and mastermind where you can you know, rely on one another. And it has just been so beautiful to witness because we're not even a year old, right? This was launched during the pandemic and to see what has been accomplished by these folks in such a short period of time is amazing. The woman that I was telling you about, that's also a brand strategist that has, you know, experience as a model and her kids are actively working in, in Hollywood. She has children who have projects on Netflix, Hulu, Disney. So she's very much in the industry and knows the industry side as well as I do. She came in, her daughter, her 10-year-old daughter has a cooking show, which they haven't even launched. And I've lost count at this point. I stopped counting at like 14 or 15, but they have over 14 brand deals or brand partnerships because of the leverage that saying, hey, I have global distribution across Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Android TV, and Chromecast. In addition to, if they choose to, they can have their audio extracted and distributed as a podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And so there's this vast opportunity, be, and that's not something that a Netflix or an Amazon studio is going to provide. And it's no shade. It's just, I like for people to look at what's available because a lot of times when it's something that's new or people think, well, I would never, people tell you, you should never pay for anything up front. That is the wrong train of thinking, especially now. And if you want to be a boss and you want to own your stuff, you have to invest one way or another, you're going to invest, whether it's on the front end or the back end. 
That sounds like an amazing ecosystem and as someone that's part of a mastermind myself, I know the value that comes from being surrounded by people that are, you know, in the same path and that think alike. So I think that's amazing. I would love to know what advice would you give to these people that are, you know, starting out as content creators or as filmmakers, they're just like at the very beginning of their career what advice would you give them? My advice to someone who's just starting or who has even been in it for a while and they're just really kind of flustered or looking for, when am I going to get, you know, when is it going to be my time? How can I really make this work? This is an amazing time to be a content creator. This is an amazing time to be a writer, to be a producer, to be a talent because the rules of the game have changed. Hollywood as we knew it has been turned upside down on its head. We are looking at some of the top level production companies from uh, Kerry Washington's production company to Reese Witherspoon to Shonda Rhimes to Issa Rae. Everyone has been challenged to create in a new way. And so, like I said earlier, the playing field has been leveled. Don't get in your head about what you don't have. Build a community of like-minded, talented people. They are out there. Get on Clubhouse. That's how you and I connected, Sabby, right? And so there's so many beautiful things that have come out of what could have been just a very devastating time for all of us. And those things have been community. Everybody, the, the whole entire world was on pause. And there was no one person that was in a much better situation than the other. It didn't matter how much money you had, even the greatest, you know, the wealthiest person in the world still found themselves at a pause, so to speak. They may have had the financial, you know, resources to do whatever, but at the end, at the very basic level, everyone had to pause and everyone was looking for a way to continue to create, but beyond that connect. And so even now, as things are changing with our world opening back up in a lot of places, you know, we have vaccines that are being released and people getting vaccinated and all of that, the way that we knew the industry before will never be again. And so I don't want any person that's listening to this and feeling like they're not enough, they don't have enough, they don't know where to begin. I want them, if they leave with nothing else from this episode, I want them to feel empowered that they have absolutely everything that they need right now to make it, to go out and create. You get to decide and create your own new standard, what that looks like, and just be the catalyst to help other people. I am not, despite my experience in the industry, I am not considered, or I don't think I would be considered the standard of what Hollywood is supposed to look like. And certainly not as a woman of color and a woman over 40. But if I allowed those facts to steer and guide me, we wouldn't be here talking today. I just made a decision. I didn't look at what I didn't have. We talked, you asked me early on, like what, how did the whole remote production thing come about? What were the challenges? I didn't have a full studio. I'm talking to you now in my home studio. 
I didn't let the fact that I didn't have a big budget or, a, you know, access to a full production studio or a full production team to stop me from creating. I was focused on the stories that I wanted to tell. And I was really passionate about that. And I was determined to use whatever I had. And sometimes that meant investing in tools so that I could execute and continue creating and producing these stories and amplifying these voices that needed to be heard. And so it just doesn't matter where you are or what you have, what you don't have, what you think you need. Start with where you are with what you have. And I promise momentum is rewarded. Favor rewards action and momentum. All you got to do is take the first step and then the next step and you build momentum and favor will follow you as you do. And everything that you need, everything that you think you need, every person, every resource, every tool, it will show up for you, but you got to take the action. I absolutely agree with that. And it doesn't matter what the action is. Like it doesn't have to be huge action, even if it's just little steps it'll add its up so definitely to get started I wanted to go back to something you said though about all this information that's available right now because that is indeed true but sometimes it's also a little bit hard to sort through all of that information and know what's actually valid and what isn't especially when it comes to you know upfront investments which yes can be useful but sometimes you do fall into something that's actually a scam so what advice do you have to those people that are, are just starting out so they can, you know, scan through this and know what it's actually something that's going to go back to them and maybe something that's not worth paying attention to or putting that money into? Yeah, you definitely have to do your due diligence. So I'll take the example. I'm not, I can't remember exactly what clubhouse room we connected in, but I'll take this as an example. I, you know, we've been showing in, in clubhouse in a variety of ways. I don't get on Clubhouse to sell ever. I get on Clubhouse to provide value. And then if someone resonates with what I have to say, they, you know, it's just a natural inclination to go and connect with that person. And so with Clubhouse, you know, you have uh, the ability to connect your Twitter and your Instagram account. And so I maximize, I was maximizing my Instagram account even before Clubhouse was a thing. I'd have a link in my bio so people could learn more about my work and what I do. And so anyone that says that they do something, they're going to have some type of social proof. That's the first thing, right? And even if they're just starting out, I encourage people, if you're starting out, get, get with your colleagues, your fellow creatives and create something together. Maybe do something for a client where in exchange you get, you know, maybe it's a smaller fee or you can charge what you want, but you get a testimonial in exchange. Social proof is super important. So that's the first thing is anybody that's telling you anything about what they think you should do, offering, you know, their quote unquote expertise, you should be able to find information on them somewhere. And so I often direct, you know, when I'm introducing myself in these spaces, I give a little blurb about who I am and what I do, but that's what we have a bio on Clubhouse for. And then I'll just tell them, connect to, you know, connect with me on Instagram or on Twitter. And I have the same link in both of my bios on both of those social media platforms. And even in my Instagram bio, I don't promote the distribution model to come to KEJN because I'm also a consultant. And so I'm focused on, I'm working with a lot of people. I, I don't even promote my remote production services. That's something that comes out in conversation. What I have in my bio is 
I have client testimonials. I have client projects so they can see the type of work that I've done, including my own. I have media features where I've been featured in the media. My clients have been featured in the media. And so they're able to see the social proof to that. Now, as far as the distribution model is concerned, when we've hosted the casting rooms on Clubhouse, we've hosted those with the intent of giving people an opportunity to come into our world and the network without having to make an investment up front. And so we've looked at some of the most talented people. We've heard the most talented people. And then those that were selected were offered a year-long feature at no cost to them on the network. And so then they come into our world and they see the immense value that they see the inner workings of how everything is done. And most of those people will go on to become, you know, distributors or distribution partners in next year, right? Because they've seen it and they see the value, especially if there's someone that has a line or, you know, a funnel of different projects that they're continuing to create. Now, it might be some that are a one and done. They have one film project and that's all they have and that's fine. But very, it's very plainly stated. So for those who weren't selected, they were given the opportunity to become, you know, have their content distributed on KP Media TV at a discounted cost, but it's upfront. So Keisha Puckett is the CEO and founder of KP Media TV. If you click the link in her bio, one of the very first tabs that you see takes you to the KP Media TV website and everything is laid out. So you know immediately right off the bat that it is an investment to have this. And then she has testimonials from people, including myself, that are on the network. I'm never going to enforce, my reputation matters. Everyone's reputation matters. Um, I am very much a personal brand strategist. And so I believe that your personal brand is your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. It's what are the conversations that are being said. And so you, I, I don't operate with anyone. I don't partner with anyone. I don't connect with anyone who doesn't operate in integrity. And those are the things that people need to look for. If there are red flags that are coming up for you, investigate. And if you find, and that red flag keeps coming up, move away from it. Don't spend a dime. Now, there will be some times when a red flag will come up because it's something that is outside of the norm of what you're used to seeing. Still do your investigation. But if the person is on the up and up and they're legitimate, they're going to have all the things that you and I just talked about. They're going to have the social proof. They're going to have the case studies. You'll be able to connect with current and previous clients who are working with them, people who are in their ecosystem to find out firsthand what their experience is like. And, and those people should be willing to make sure that you have access to those things. If they're not, run. That is really great advice. Thank you. And yeah, it's always definitely very important to do your homework before you follow any, anybody's advice. Make sure they actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, because um, there are people that are out there waiting to pray. They can smell when people are desperate or just really want it. And, and there are people who will take advantage. And so the other thing is like, get a great mentor, be in community with these folks. I have really been blessed to connect with some incredible, amazing, super talented people that are full of integrity and great character and they're honest um, on Clubhouse. And it's been a beautiful thing. And I think in this, you know, in this day and age, it's easy to sense when somebody's feeding you a bunch of bull crap, you know, so. 
Absolutely. So I wanted to go back to the topic about the voices you choose to empower very particular stories. So I would love to chat a little bit about that. How did you decide what kind of stories you wanted to elevate and give voice to? Yeah. So I've always been really passionate about elevating the voices of women, right? And that all of my work and all of my years, that's been really evident in everything that I've done. I will admit that I was really apprehensive about niching that down even more because I am a person who wants to help everyone. And obviously, you know that you can't, but I have a heart for women as a whole. doesn't matter what color you are. I have a heart for men too, but I recognize as a soon to be 50 year old woman of color, there are just opportunities that we don't have access to. And it doesn't matter how brilliant we are, how much experience we have, what we've accomplished, how many accolades, none of that matters in a lot of different worlds, right? In scenarios and industries. And so I, as scary as I was, I had to find resolve in my passion and my mission. And that was Yes, to elevate the voices of women, but who are those women? And so for me, I made the decision. I Well, one, before I made the decision, I said, let me kind of go back. Let me backtrack a little bit. Who have I been working with? Who's been hiring me as their consultant to help support them in growing their personal brand and telling their story and being, you know, this magnetic presence on camera? Who's been hiring me? And a great majority of those women, I would say at least 90% of those women were women of color. Now, here's what I want to address in this is that some people, when they hear the terminology women of color, they automatically think that somehow just means black women. And it doesn't. Women of color are black, they're Latino, they're Asian, they're Pacific Islander. Those, those are women of color. Also, I am a 20, I've lost count, 26 plus year lupus survivor. Lupus is an autoimmune disease that causes your body to attack itself. You have an unhealthy immune system. And even in that world and with that disease, it impacts women, women of childbearing age, but the largest population of those women are women of color, starting with the largest number being African-American women or black women, then Latina women, Asian women, Pacific Islander, and then Caucasian women. And so I'd like to think that my business model and who I focus on is really reflective of my own personal life and my work as a lupus advocate as well, because they're the same group of women right? And I know as a patient, but also as a patient advocate in the lupus community, we are often underserved, underrepresented, overlooked, and undervalued, and a lot of times underpaid. And so I translated that truth and that work that I do philanthropically into what I do in my business. And I said, well, these are the stories that I want to continue to tell. And women are paying me to do this anyway. So it was just kind of like one of those things that's right under your nose, but you never really pay to it. And here I was all apprehensive about making this public declaration that that's who I was serving and focusing on when really all along, it was very much a part of all the work that I do, both you know, from an advocate and a patient standpoint to a consultant and a leader and an expert. And then obviously the Gen X community and women over 40, it's representative of who I am. And it seems like, you know, society at this stage, 
by the time you hit 35, 38, for sure, they're throwing you out to pasture. And it's like, you're, you're not seen as valuable anymore, or you're too old to do certain things. And I have people tell me all the time, you don't look your age. And I'm like, well, what is 49 supposed to look like? And so I'm very much a disruptor. I have been my entire life and I'm not stopping now. And so the way that I just dis disrupt and dismantle the status quo is to give voice to those women who are women of color and women over 40. And the women over 40 is whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Latin, whatever your nationality or ethnicity is, you're a woman over 40. I'm passionate about helping to amplify your voice and tell your stories as well. I love that. I love how you have, again, so many isms that we have in society because there, you know, there's still stigma about so many groups. And I love that there's people out there helping amplify those stories that my main goal in going to the industry as well amplify the voices of those that don't get listened to enough so thank you for all the work that you do before I let you go do you have any last pieces of advice to share for those you know that are like me just getting their toes wet in the industry for the first time learning to come out of their of their shell any last words of wisdom to share yeah just remember that your story might be about you but it's not for you. And so all of your life experiences up to this point have positioned you to be able to show up in the world in a powerful way. There's no accreditation or number of years of experience that will really solidify you as the one. You have to know that you are the one. You have to be willing to get out there, put yourself out there, build a network, build a community of people where you all are serving each other. That's what true leadership is about. That's where true creativity lives, is getting out there and creating things and doing things that are bigger than yourself, even when it's scary. And just knowing and trusting that you're qualified, right? You don't need someone else to tell you that you're qualified to do anything. Every expert Every award-winning filmmaker, producer, you know, director, everyone started at ground zero. Everyone. Even if it looks like they got a handout from mom or dad or, you know, had a trust fund in here, they still start. I love Paris Hilton's story a bit in that, yeah, she came from wealth, right? She came from a family that had a lot of access but in a lot of ways, she was determined to kind of create her own path. So whether you're an heiress, you know, an heir to a fortune, or you're someone who is really making ends meet day to day, week to week, you're no different in that when you have a vision and you have a story and you have the determination to share those stories, to create to amplify the voices of other people like you and I are talking about, Sabby, you are more than enough. Invest in yourself. If you don't have the money to invest, find ways that you can generate income. What are the skill sets that you have? Are you great at designing uh, graphics, promos? Like get out there. There's no excuse for anyone to not have what they need from a financial standpoint to go out and create what they want. But even if you don't have the financial resources today, there's still a way to create. Those are the people that rise to the top. Those are the people that stand out. 
my business was making money, but then in the pandemic, we lost a lot of revenue and it was to no one's fault. It just was, you know, as a result of everything that was going on. And so I could have complained about, oh my gosh, I have bills to pay. I have all these other things. I still have, you know, things that I have to take care of in my business. I have systems that I have to pay for and resources and all that. There's no way that I can create this docu-series. If I let that be the case, we wouldn't be talking today. We wouldn't be going into season two of Beauty Behind the Brand Live, which was originally intended to be a 12 episode original series, a limited series. That was it. But because it was professionally produced using what we had, we told incredible stories, which is what people could connect to. And it was beautifully done. The viewers asked for more. That's why we're coming back for a season two. But what if we didn't just show up? What if we didn't create? People wouldn't be able to resonate with the stories that were told and then use their voice to say, this is brilliant, we want more. That is amazing. And you know, it just speaks to the power of what you're doing that you were asked to do more. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for giving me your time today and chatting with me. It was amazing getting to know you a little bit better and hearing about all the great things you're doing. Thank you so much, Savvy. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you. And I just want to encourage you to continue to keep building and sharing these stories. You're a brilliant woman, and I'm excited to see what you have ahead. And if there's anything that I can do to support you in the future, just let me know. Thank you so much. Join us again next month on another Real Talk Secrets to Success to learn all the top tips from industry insiders. Until next time.